Yeah, that's a really great question. And I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. I'm Deepak Chopra. You're watching New Realities. My name is Alan Steinfeld, and my program is called New Realities. Each week, I go deep into the understanding of how we can start to change the planet, how new ideas can be presented to the world to unfold a greater civilization. Welcome to a very special guest, someone I'm really excited about talking to today, Diana Pasalka. She is the author of two fantastic books on the UFO phenomenon. American Cosmic and her latest book, Encounters. Thanks, Diana, for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. You know, I appreciate your intelligence and your research and your approach to the book because you lay out in Encounters. It's not a direct talking about the UFO phenomenon, but you talk about it, around it, and through it. Is that Was that your strategy? In yes. Okay. So two things I study, religion and then the UFO phenomena, which I started to study in late well, actually 2012, early 2012. And each of those, what I've noticed is that people have a stereotype idea of what they are. But once you start to scratch the surface, you recognize that there's so much more, much more going on. And so I, my job is to teach religion to undergraduates at a university. But I have been talking to people of the whole spectrum of people about UFOs. And what I noticed and what I had gone into, you know, when I studied UFOs, I had a very clear idea of what they were and it was all misinformation from the media. <laughs> and so once I started to get rid of all that misinformation, I started to say, wait a minute, it's an event. These things are usually events and they're transformative events for people, regardless if they have any woo stuff associated with them or not. And so I started to look at people, you know, obviously people who are experiencers in every kind of way, not just full on experiencers who feel like they've been experienced like things coming into their room, but also pilots who th see things in the sky and that's it. And they say, okay, it's changed my reality because I know that thing is not ours, right? Not of earth. So, you know, so the myriad ways people experience these kinds of things and historically too. So I've been looking at, at that. So it's not a straightforward answer. What is a UFO or UAP there? You know, so that's what I did was I basically said, well, once people have this experience, these are the effects. And that was my strategy. Right. Well, the subtext that I got from your book is that there's a huge change and you use the word religious and it and then I want to ask you about religious versus spiritual. But it's there's something shifting within the psyche of the general public that I think is the underlying feature of this book, Encounters. What is that thing that you think is shifting in our worldviews and our understanding of spirit and soul and consciousness? I know it's a big question, but what's, what's changing, you feel? It's a big question, but we need to talk about it. And I think everybody kind of already feels it happening. You know, we are global. And now we're connected. Uh, we still have nation states, but really we're, we don't have borders because of the internet. Okay, so this changes everything. It changes the way we do commerce. It changes the way we think, and it definitely changes our quote unquote religions. So a lot of people are born into their religion and learn it from their parents and passed down and that type of thing. But then when they get to a certain age, they question, okay, what is it? You know, should I keep this? 
tradition or, you know, they have these questions. And right now what's happening is that there is a spirituality quasi religion. I call it a new form of religion in which people are reassessing what's good from their religious traditions and they're getting rid of what they think is old and archaic. And that catapults them into a situation where, where they get rid of the mediator, like they get rid of the priest or they get rid of the, you know, and they start to question and they start to go into communities of people who are what we call seekers. And these people are actually having these experiences. And a lot of people who have these experiences of UFOs are catapulted out of their own traditional religions or they get strengthened within their traditional religions, but in very different ways. My problem with some of that is I, I was catapulted into this whole field. New Age, it was called in the beginning of the 80s. So this is different than religious because religion to me is based on belief. And this is not about belief in a sense. You know, you know Bud Hopkins' famous line, it's really funny. But someone asks about you people, UFOs, it seems like a cult or religion. Bud says to the guy, this is the opposite of a religion. A religion is, or a cult is all belief and no miracles. This is all miracles and no belief. That's what makes this different. But why don't we just call it a spiritual phenomena? And the idea about spirit for me is understanding there's a science to incarnation. There's a science to consciousness. So if we call it religion, then we sort of take that science possibility away. Does that make sense? I, I It totally makes sense. Yeah. And I, of course, I understand where you're coming from. Um, the situation though, and this is what makes my job somewhat difficult, is because it's in, I have a niche field, which means that it's small. And when we talk about religion, we talk, we generally talk about it to undergraduates, right? So young people who, have never thought about religion before. But I think most people have inherited an idea of religion that's Western. It's Western-centric. In this case, they see it as antithetical to science. And they also see it as monotheistic. And they also see it as devoid of miracles, which, by the way, almost every religion is a miraculous phenomenon in the beginning. Um, so I think that you, so no, nothing to take away from your argument, but what I'm saying is that it's a very Protestant view of religion, because if you go to, you know, what about Marian apparitions? You know, here you have all miracle and you have the Catholic church basically trying to make them go away, right? So when, when a miracle happens in the Catholic church, they're very uncomfortable with it. They're like, okay, what do we do about this? You know, and a lot of times they suppress the narratives. So, so in traditional religions that we, you and I are familiar with, say Protestantism, Catholicism, there's a push to get rid of the, mir the miraculous. And so my suggestion is that the UFO phenomenon is the miraculous, just like Bud Hopkins said, yeah. but we view these these miraculous events as coming from a technologically advanced being way more advanced than us. You know, the pilots that we've talked to can say, Oh, this is definitely way more advanced than what I've ever seen. Okay. I, we don't have fighter jets like this. So, so yeah. So what I'm saying is that when I say it's a new form of religion, because it takes the miraculous and it puts it in the guise that we can accept, like it puts it in a new framework and we accept it as intelligent people. You know, we're like, that actually makes sense. Absolutely. No, I totally get the Marian apparitions. I mean, 
for me, my personal cosmology includes all of that, all the so-called miracles. But I think, you know, I was just at the Virgin of Guadalupe in Mexico City. Have you been there to see it? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It is. There's a vibration and a feeling and a calmness that emanates. And you know, there's no paint that's on there. It's just been, in a way, manifest. So those are real for me. I mean, the, and and I've even had my own glimpse of a sort of Marian apparition. And, and I've talked to Ingo Swan when he was alive about some of that stuff that he knew. But for me, I don't call it necessarily religion. I, it's a higher form of something like the UFO thing. We can't expect to really understand at the levels, but but I want to make a cosmology that makes all these things a reality that people can contemplate and include without categorizing it, I guess I'm saying, you know? I fully agree with you. Yeah. So that's why I included so many different perspectives in yeah. encounters. And each person has a different religiosity, you could say. And I end with a former atheist who has this extremely amazing and well-recorded um, experience when he's a kid, right, in the 1960s, completely changes his reality. He goes through atheism until he actually meets Fulton Sheen, <laughs> right, yeah. who is this, you know, very, oh, talk about Catholic Church suppressing narratives. They really tried to suppress Fulton Sheen's TV show, Life is Worth Living, you know, and he was even uh, monitored by the FBI. Okay. So this is Fulton Sheen. He was a miracle in and of himself. I mean, he was a miraculous man with a lot of charism, charisma. Mm -hmm. And so he turned this atheist into a believer, but he doesn't have a religion. And mm -hmm. that's where I leave it. And so I hoped that Len Philpu is his name. Mm -hmm. I hoped that his experience would be like the send off in my encounters book of like, listen, this is what's happening. People are being converted, to, but to what? I love all that because to what is great. It doesn't have to be to uh, something because it's not, not defined. You can't recognize something you haven't cognized first, right? That's, that's the nature of reality. We're wiping the slate clean of the past and of belief and, 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 and facing the reality of, of, of a presence, whatever that is. And that's, in a way is miraculous, but personally, you call yourself a Catholic, right? And I'm just curious if you don't want to be personal, but why did you have a sort of awakened conversion? And are you now seeing that maybe perhaps that might be an old worldview or not? I don't know. I don't know you. So. Yeah, that's a really great question. And I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. And I think it's a good question because I know lots of people ask, you know, think it in their head, like, why is she a Catholic? Yeah. And that's a really good question. Um, okay, so it is a personal question, too. Well, so <laughs> no, no, I'm going to answer it. I'm going to answer it. Okay, so um, this is how I, I describe it. I was just describing it to somebody yesterday, actually. I I'm not going to say that that's the, you know, like a, a lot of Christians say, but I don't think Catholics actually say this. By the way, a lot of people don't understand what Catholicism is or Christianity for that matter. Like they, they just, they don't, haven't read the actual texts, you know, and they have stereotypes about what it is. Jesus talked to marginalized people. He talked to women. He talked to lepers. 
you know, he told he he told people not to follow the rules that the rules were actually made for them, not them for the rules. So he was basically really enlightened. And here he's talking to all these people. Um, and it's a revolutionary movement that he starts. And then it gets taken into the Roman Empire and made into a state religion. And what they do with it is they suppress all of its amazing revolutionary elements. So I want to know, I want people to know that the, my understanding of the Catholic Church is that, okay, is that it is that narrative of suppression. All right. Um, however, it also created a lot of the institutions that we find ourselves in, and it still maintains that there's an idea of the presence of divine and sacred, okay? Whereas the Protestant Reformation tried to get rid of that idea of the presence, okay? And so I had my first, what you would call kind of experiences that I needed to study religion. I had convert, I had a conversion experience at 11 to Christianity. And then I started to read the texts and said, I can't understand what this means. And I have a feeling that it's been cooked, right? The books have been cooked and I was right. Okay. So part of the reason that when I got into studying UFOs, I was able to understand the history of disinformation is because of redaction criticism, which is what we do in religious studies, studies is we say, like um, Elaine Pagels wrote the Gnostic Gospels. And so what she did when she did that, which was in the 70s, was she, she had to learn the languages first, by the way, which was she uncovered a whole tradition that had been completely suppressed by the Roman Catholic Church of Gnosticism. Mm. All right. I feel like there are Gnostic Christians because Jesus's teachings live on and they live on through people. And so that's why I'm a Catholic is because I, I keep to the tradition in the sense that I do the practices. Do I necessarily believe that Catholicism is the only way? No, I, no, I don't. Um, but I do believe that practice is super important. And if we don't do the practices, um, practices enable us to make these connections to divine, sacred, whatever you want to call those things. And so those practices are best when they're done with people and so I have a lot of friends who I met during the course of my studies who are sisters, nuns, monks, brothers. This is my community. So that's why I'm Catholic. It's a very personal choice. Uh, I don't believe that it's the only way, but it's my way. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, it sounds like you've had a real um, experience of the divine. And this is, um, I mean, you don't have to tell us that, but it sounds like that's the thing that connects you to this bigger faith. But it, it's, it seems to me it's it, in all mm, awakenings, it's a personal sort of um, identification with the divine and we can call it Jesus or this, but it's that divinity that we know is real that, I mean, for me, I take it out of a religious forum and just have that, connection and 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 tr and what i'm trying to do is create a bigger cosmology that includes ufos and miracles and marian apparitions and incarnation you in that body us in these bodies it's, it's a science but we not looking in those directions so but i think your contribution is valuable because you're connecting people to a kind of a awareness of divinity which is obviously who we are. Yeah, sense. I think we are. Yeah, yeah. No, I think we are. And mm -hmm. I appreciate your emphasis on knowing, right? Knowing. Yeah. So I think that there's a, 
agnosticism that runs through almost all traditional religions. Okay, so you see it in Buddhism, you see it in Hinduism, you see it in Judaism, Christianity, right? There's this, this knowing that that becomes because we didn't have global societies back then, we had just local and regional societies. This is how, you know, religions were the ways in which they kept those that connection alive. Okay. A lot of those very intense connections though are revolutionary. And so institutions and governments suppress those. It's just what you see in the history of religions. There's a lot, you just, you can see that once you study it for any like time, like a year, you're studying religions, you've got to say, wow, there were some very egalitarian, amazing, like people that were doing this and they got wiped out by people in the name of religion. That's a fact. Like the Cathars. I mean, who knows what was going on with the Cathars? Yeah, yeah. And- and exactly. Still, still Gnostic uh, Christians in Egypt, but th- that's, that's what, right. That's my point. The gnosis um, kind of supersedes religiousity to me because it's yes. correct knowing. Yeah. Right? So how do you? Yeah, I totally agree. How do you bridge the two from you know identifying within the religion and also being in a way a, a Gnostic in a sense, a knower? How do you bridge those two? So yeah, yes. Yeah. Once you have a Gnostic experience it determines what directions you take, right? And you kind of, you, you know, in communication with that, whatever it is, your sacred, um, what do you do? Well, you, who said it? Gosh, was it like Francis of Assisi? You you bloom where you're planted is -hmm. what you do. Mm -hmm. And then see what happens. And sometimes what happens is that, well, I mean, of course you know this because I'm sure it's happened to you. Uh, once these things happen in a life, there's a lot of pushback from conservative, you know, you know, people. From your family. family. Yeah, yeah. From your family, a lot of times. Um, By the way, is fine with with what I do. So, (laughs) so I don't get pushback from my family, but, but obviously a lot of people do. So I think the UFO when I look at people who are Catholic or Christian and they've had experiences of UFOs, it definitely um, cracks open their religion. And then they, they get all kinds of pushback from their denominational churches. But in the end, it seems to me what they do is they reinterpret their whole tradition from the UFO narrative. And they say, got it, got it. Now we under- I understand. And they become much more religious in the sense when i say religious they become much more dedicated and committed to living a radical life of this type of gnosis but do you think we're moving to a narrative like we're in a liminal space now a space in between world in between epochs uh you know we're right at the cusp of government revealing its secret i mean of course they have grush comes out and says yeah they have craft and biologics and bodies and that's that's such a huge worldview. People have ignored it, but this the government is saying this. So how do we integrate all of this into a bigger worldview that includes religion, all that, and makes it in a way okay to push this narrative of knowing to a bigger public? So this is also such a great question. Um, I've had some people might have been you, Alan, <laughs> who sent this to me just recently in email exchanges, I think. Um, I wrote these books many years ago, 
but now I understand them in a completely different way. Okay, so they do, they do this creative work that actually is from their future. Yeah. And then when they get to that stage in their life, they're like, oh my goodness, how did I know that then? Right. And this is what I think of about, okay, so when I look at Friedrich Nietzsche, who hate, hated religion, right? But right. loved spirituality. He never said it like that. But in, if I could paraphrase him, he's no, that. Thus, so he liked thus, thus spoke Zarathustra is like, quite a holy text in a way it's his channel it is yes it absolutely is because he's going beyond the jewish and christian tradition to what he thought was the beginning right and he's he's literally writing in religious scripture right because he's you know he's okay but he he would hate for me to say that by the way i just want to acknowledge that (laughs) um okay so nietzsche though was writing to a very particular audience and he called this audience the future philosophers. Now he, he died, I think in 1900, but I'm, I could, I don't right quote around me on that. Then, yeah. But he, yeah. Yeah. So the few were the future philosophers. Well, guess what? They're us. Right. And so he's writing for us who then pick up his book and totally get it and love it. And then what happens is that we do our work and, you know, so you ask, what can we do, blah, 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 to make this, you know, this kind of thing. I think we, we've done it. And I think we're doing it. And I don't think that, I think we are, you know, we are speaking to future philosophers too, Alan. Like yeah. you wrote a book for, for, you know, audiences that are yeah. happening, that's happening now. Yeah. That's happened to American Cosmic. When I wrote it, I said to Tyler, who's in the book, I said, I feel like I'm from the future, but... I didn't recognize that the future was ha- was going to happen in 2021. <laughs> so it, it happened. And now like, you know, so that's what I'm trying to say is like this, you know, what do we do now? I think we've done it. Well, we're still doing it. We're in the middle, you know, where yeah. we have to just stick to it. But are we also, I don't know, agents for the phenomena, the intelligence, whatever you want. We, I feel like these downloads just, given to me it's so exciting that i feel like we're agents of that intelligence do you feel that way um okay so this is a good question all of the people in my book you like they they feel on fire with with something that they it's almost like a mission that they have right and especially the people who are affiliated with the military that i talk to by the way think of this gnostic military people they actually exist, okay? And what happens is they learn everything they can from the military. Then they have this kind of transformative UFO experience. And then they're like, oh, my mission is totally different now. But they use all the tools that they learned in military training for this mission of, you know, like Jose is a good example yeah. of helping young people, right, go through, the, you know, social media and, you know, that kind of environment and, and how to how to help their mental health through this and their spiritual crises and things like that. So, um, so yeah, so I think that, that, you know, to answer your question, I think that a lot of people are having that feeling. I don't know what it means. You have that passion, I think. Yeah, I've had it. Yeah, I have had a passion. I had a passion for studying this field. Like I didn't define it as ufology or anything back in the day. I thought of it as like spirituality, religious like experience and things like that. But maybe you've been prepared through your religious studies to be the perfect person to kind of then bridge that understanding into this next level of consideration. Is that possible? So 
Well, this is what I think. I think that one of the skills that I've developed is to identify people who are um, in science and who have had these download experiences that you're having, right, that, that you have, mm -hmm. and to say, we need to pay attention to their work. Right. Like, you know, Gary Nolan or Tyler D, Jacques Ballet, and also um, Ia Whiteley, Dr. Ia Whiteley, who's really interesting. Oh, yeah. She's the, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, so these people are thinking in different ways and they're super successful scientists. Uh, so in a sense that their spirituality, you know, they're spiritual and they're scientific and the ways in which they do their science, they do it, they, they do their science in a spiritual way. So that kind of answers a question about, yeah. you know, where, you know, how does religion and science, well, it's a spiritual, it's a spirituality um, that they, they definitely have. They see the world in absolutely spiritual terms. It just feels like you're, you know, I mean, you know, you're on the team there. So it's like, there you go. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm on the team. I always feel like I was translating what they were doing so that people could understand them because I'd meet them and I'd say, I think people really need to know that this person exists. Mm. And so I'd write them into my book and, you know, of course, with their permission. Yeah. And, um, and then I, you know, and I was right. People really did want to know what these people thought. Yeah. And the way you lay them out, all these people in your book, I, I, whatever, six or seven people is in a way of these um, nexus points that then the reader connects. Oh, this is the next level, you know, the artificial, the animal intelligence, talking to dolphin and then talking to computers and then this, you know, what is the phenomena? I just like the way you kind of organize your material because it, does, it makes the reader think. But you also say there's a group of people who have managed the public narrative of the UFO. So there's these people managing the narrative and yeah. there's other people with this compulsion to to talk about and speak about. And so who are these people? I mean, yeah. you don't have to name names, but why are they choosing to manage? Yeah. Okay, so Alan. This is where we get back to the whole thing about religion, because okay. you're like, we shouldn't call it a religion, this and that. Well, we should never call these things religion, right? Mm -hmm. But right. we we do. And the reason we do is because you can see it in the traditional religions. Mm -hmm. When these Gnostic elements spring up that are revolutionary, another element comes down and tries to narr narratize, right. you know, and, and to, you know, so we see that here. And that's the one thing that I was trying to explain in, um, you know, when I was doing some work in the 2000, 2001, was I begin to see the military, you know, say, okay, we've got this, you know, we've got this truth, we can explain it to you and everything. And I thought, wait a minute, people have already been explaining this. Like, I don't think you really need to explain it to us, but that's what they're doing. So we see the, now a lot of people who know nothing about UFOs, they'll go on, you know, the internet or social media, and they'll see that the government has it all figured out, right? They're like trying to tell us what it is and everything. And so that's another element to the development of a religion. You're saying there's a push Yeah, not just the pushback, but the, the, the group that thinks of themselves as the people that should run things. And uh, now they're basically saying, we have the answer, it's here. You have to listen to us. But why do they feel the need to confine it when it's unconfinable, the phenomena itself? Yeah, this is such a great question. And I have the same question. Mm -hmm. And I and why do they have to do it so brutally? Yeah. Like, why do they have to hurt people or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, suppress their 
voices and you know yeah. why does it have to be this thing and i and i ask that and i guess my my answer i don't have an answer but i have a position okay and i can tell you what my position is right now on it yeah. and i do articulate that in encounters basically when i started to see the extent of the organized narrativizing of this new kind of like you know movement um and which is not new by the way but which you know which people are now in mass having um i started to go back to the allegory of the cave by plato and even like jesus's gospels which i looked at again and i thought because i looked at them so many times of course and i like reread that and i'm like okay got it so there's some kind of like a structural element here that at least people in western traditions and probably in um eastern traditions though i don't really see it in indigenous communities so it's not universal but it's definitely within the tradition that you and i share of government and social structures and culture there's a structural element where you see this kind of pushback mm. um so i don't have an answer for it other than that we shouldn't really change how we are but there's that it is there i'm not going to deny it's there but it's about control i mean and going back to the jesus didn't consider himself a christian you know i mean these are of course yeah coming afterwards that and yes and, and and i think you know you say somewhere in the book there's ele there's there's elements above the secret government which i, I think implied to me an interface between the ets or the phenomenon themselves and people controlling the narrative is that what you and and somehow there's um some of these people are carrying out the orders of this bigger phenomena is that do you imply that sort of the only, well listen the only thing that i could say about the control mechanism is that there are people doing it we know that and yeah. that i've met people who do it now how they're how they do this why they do this i describe some of their motives in the book you know um some of their motives are that they have a view of humanity that's dim <laughs> you know they think that humans and maybe they're right by the way in in some form they say humans are they don't care you know they're going to they you know they're going to kill you or something or you know if you have these ideas that we should all work together and have a great you know world which we could do of course um there's a good portion of the humans that are not going to go with you and they're going to use you for their work and you know these things are going to happen to you and if you don't see that you're really naive right so i met them and they had good arguments right and i listened to them and they by the way they happen to be super educated people too um so so yeah so that was an element i don't know other than their own belief systems if i mean they obviously feel that they are doing some type of god's work that's all i can say <laughs> no, or maybe they're just so into power that's what i think they want they are the matrix they want to control the matrix they don't want anything to get out of line then there's the phenomenon itself thing to get out of line and then there's the phenomenon itself whitley thinks that the phenomenon doesn't want the secret out all at once they want to shock people i just interviewed him the other day he said people need to be shocked when this thing comes online and he says that's the only way we're going to gather the importance of this object at the end of time i don't agree with that i think 
what seems to be happening because of people like Elizondo and of course, Gary Nolan is major in pushing the envelope. You were at the Soul Foundation meeting where they talked about the devastating disclosure and the smooth disclosure. How do we start to push for this integration of disclosure in your opinion? Okay. So contrary to what a lot of people think, yeah. I haven't nor have I ever been like a disclosure person. Like, you know, I'm, I'm an advocate for disclosure or anything like that. There are a lot of communities. Like I, in my book, I talk about indigenous communities. You know, I start the book with people who say, you know, a Lakota woman who says, contrary to what you believe, we've been in contact, right? So Suzanne Kite. I do believe that what we're talking about is a disclosure that's been formulated in order to keep it, to keep people thinking that we don't have disclosure. I think we're getting close to something. I mean, there, if we push for congressional hearings and eventually mm, somebody comes forward and says, yes, I'm the one who, and we have the technology, we have the bodies. I think the best thing to do for the public is to roll it out. And this is just my fantasy and have the human population look at the situation together and see what's going on here. What can we make of this as intelligent people, academics, you know, whatever, what's going on here? And of course that's gonna change a lot of worldviews, but I think, you know, call it disclosure or not, I think it's a narrative that could happen and change the world. Yeah, that would be pretty amazing. And also the technology, obviously they're not filling up their gas tanks to get here, right? So if they have a technology to get the world off of fossil fuel and, and stop the pollution, don't you think that is a benefit to humanity and that that's what's behind it? I think, yeah, I think that, you know, one thing that happened to me too, when I was about 18, I was taking a class, I was taking physics in college and my physics professor said, this is a long time ago. And my physics professor said, oh, we have electric cars and we could, you know, we could do this and, you know, we could get off of fossil fuels and all, you know, all of these things, my physics professor. And I, and to me, I was like, what, is that true? So I did a lot of research and I was like, and this is way before the internet. Okay. I did all this research and I, I came to the conclusion that this guy was right. And I thought that means all of our problems have nothing to do with technology and everything to do with character. <laughs> and that's, that's something that I, was a huge revelation to me because here I was thinking, if we could just get this technology and if we could do, and you know, I was in a tech type of environment and I was on the route to do this, like create this technology or do this. And I was taking physics, engineering physics. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. But then when he said that, it got me completely off of that track because I thought he's right. Right. So when you we say already character, have this. do you mean greed, the greediness? Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So, like, you know, what kind of human beings we can't get along, <laughs> you know, we're constantly fighting. We can't even stay married for the <laughs> right. most part. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we cycle through, we cycle through friend communities and stuff like that. We just can't, we're not good at taking care of each other. Mm. So these are the things that I decided I'd focus on is those kinds of things. You know, do we have communities where we could care? Well, that's part of why I'm Catholic, by the way, because, and I'm, I'm going to give some personal information here. Okay. Again, at the same time I was 18, my parents went to Esalen, right? Esalen is the new age community, right? Yeah. And I'm from California, by the way. 
So they're, they're very, even though my, my mother is Jewish and my father, his parents are Catholic and they had this when they were, well, actually my mother came from a very secular Jewish standpoint. My father was, you know, went to Catholic school, but they were very new age, mm-hmm. right? They were successful new age people. And so they sent me to a Catholic school. And so I was, I went to this Catholic school and I actually saw these nuns who were, who were doing liberation theology. They were going to Central America and helping people who were being disappeared and killed and children and things like that. So as a young person, I saw the difference between what I felt was very capitalist kind of, you know, narcissistic view, not to say my parents are bad, but they weren't doing what these nuns were doing. And that made a huge impact on me. And I was like, okay, then I'm going to be like these nuns. Like, I just think that this is a better way to be, honestly, for our world and for me, because um, they were happier than my parents were. My parents were getting divorced. My parents were having issues, you know, and they were in these kinds of things that I thought I learned from that experience. I hope you see that, you know, that that is part of what kept me Catholic was that the values that that Sister Rose had, you know, were values that I thought were going to help me in life. Mm-hmm. No, I appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate how how important that was for you at that moment to see to go over the material, go beyond the materialization of American culture and see there's people making a difference and why that would in- affect someone so sincere like yourself, you know, because you are, you're sincere in the book. I mean, you really, in a way, love these people that you're writing about. I can feel that you have this real, you know, deep feeling and honor for these people. I mean, that's sort of, uh, a message that comes through. You respect them, honor their intelligence and their experience. And you're doing that same missionary work in that way. And the other thing though, getting back to the UFO phenomenon, you say, you, you quote Jacques Vallée in the book, I mean, a couple of times. And I know Jacques, he actually wrote me a nice letter about my book. So he says, they'll, this disclosure is going to be released through intermediaries. Do you remember that line? The government intermediaries. Yeah, yeah. And so is that what's happening now? Is how much does, you don't have to tell us how much Jacques knows, but obviously he's been inside it from, since the late 50s. He, what do you expect is coming down the line here? Okay, that's a great question. One of the things I said in American Cosmic, I still believe, and that's that the people who we identify as on the inside they're, they're kind of on the inside, they're more on, on the periphery. And that includes me. So right. we're not, there's not a lot of people talking or are known. Mm-hmm. Even David Grush, who has a lot of information and a lot of quote in, insider information, you know, um, he's still on the periphery because mm-hmm. he's given this information from people supposedly on the inside. I, I okay. So. And, the, and I have met people who I suspect are on the inside and they're so tight-lipped, like they are so incredibly careful. And you can, the way that you can, and I talk about ways to gather information from what I've learned about my own field, you know, that a lot of information is oral tradition. And I think that's the case with insider knowledge about UFOs, not written down. And, you know, classified information is in people. And that's why these people won't say, <laughs> and we won't know, because once that those identities are out, 
you know how many people will be around them and you know using different technologies to gather those that information i mean it would it just makes a person's life horrible right so right. um so yeah. yeah so i think that the people then the information we will have um i don't i mean honestly i don't think there's going to be like the kind of disclosure that you're hoping for well, and the kind yeah. of disclosure that you know if it, if it, if a disclosure is going to happen like you suggest um you know where there's full transparency like this it's going to it's going to be on accident yeah <laughs> it's going to be on accident from humans because humans wouldn't do that i don't think the thing you lay out about networks and ai and how do you think ai can be sentient in the way that some people are thinking about it and be a kind of uh, intelligence of the phenomenon itself? Yes. So I don't quite, I don't know. Okay. So um, I definitely know that lots of people in AI think so and think that we already have an AI sentient, we already have a sentient AI. Okay. Um, I learned this at the Soul Foundation. I met some people who did believe that. And um, I personally have, don't know this. Um, I'm interested to see how, I think it's, not a coincidence that we have a lot of you know a lot of what would you call it um political discussion of uaps and ufos at the very same time that we're having what's called an artificial intelligence revolution where you know artificial intelligence is all of a sudden changing everything you know, changing everything. And so I think that that's not a coincidence. I don't quite know yet how the relationship is. Um, one person, Simone, in my book suggests that, yes, you know, there's going to be uh, the consciousness that has unveiled itself to humans through religion is now going to unveil itself within AI. And that, yes, we best be prepared for this because this will be shocking and it is already shocking. And, and she thinks that it's good. She thinks that it's a really positive development. Some people think it's not so good. It's a, it frightens them and they think it's a, a takeover. Uh, but maybe because we, we've been so warlike, we need something like this. You know, We need something to kind of raise us up, like the phenomenon, like the UFO phenomenon, like AI, like something that gets us out of the kind of messes we've made for 5,000 years. But everyone uses the term supernatural, paranormal to describe aspects of the phenomena that can't be explained. But isn't there a better way we can integrate those experiences by instead of those labels, which make it woo, um, where it's, it's a science. It's something that we don't understand. And I think totally. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in absolute agreement with you about that. There's yeah. a lot of young people right now that I've been talking to who basically are trying to reformat the language because you know they take something like precognition or what you know mind reading or something like that, and they they re rework the terms because they know that it has a lot of connotations. And by the way, the whole history of the UFO has been that too. You know, it used to be a flying saucer, and then yeah. they're like, let's try to de-woofy this, right? Let's right. make it the UFO. And then the UFO retains a lot of this baggage and they're like, let's, we need to change it again, you right. know? So, um, so you know, the whole history of the UFO has been a, a history of trying to do that. Uh, yes, I totally think that. So let's take um, like, my, like reading one's mind or, you know, something that we talk about and we think, okay, that's woo, right? But, and I've, I've published articles about 
this technology that we actually have now, we've had it for many years, not a lot, but we've had it, where scientists will be able and are able right now to use computers to read what's going on in our brains, right? Because our brains function with brain waves, right? And so they're able to like, you know, take MRIs of a person's brains and have that person think about say a Van Gogh painting and then the computer will generate that painting, you know, and they'll say, wow, this is exactly what you were looking at. And, you know, so what is that? Well, that's a way to access our brains that, you know, and we, and that doesn't involve talking. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we have to, I do think that, I think that a lot of what we're, you know, even when you go back and you look at the Marian apparitions, mm -hmm. those apparitions are doing things that we can probably now maybe replicate through certain types of technologies, even though that would be a blasphemous thing to say, you know, because it's a mir miraculous thing in the Catholic church, which I understand. And there are things which we will never be able to replicate, but reading one's mind seems like it's going to be replicated. Well, I don't think anything, um, I think miracles are a science we have yet to understand. So even when I talked to Hal Putoff, he talked about the levitating people and he said, you know, their their hair was awful levitating, which shows they were in a quantum field. That's what he said. And, and it, Yeah, I believe that too. And and But there's so many, we're at the verge of understanding, I think, this next level. I think this is why the UFO, according to Young, and is appearing now because we're ready to shift this levels of consciousness. And I'm really happy you brought in the Aboriginal ideas at the end and, and the dream time thing. That's why I, in a way, disagree that uh, AI can be conscious because what we have as human consciousness, and I learned this from the Aborigines, is the ability to tap into dream time. And how it, how it was explained to me was, if you're falling asleep, it was a practice. and you watch your thoughts until they're no longer your own awareness of thought, but things start to stream into your mind that's not normally in your everyday consciousness. And this uh, Aboriginal elder said, then you're in the dream time when it's no longer under your, but you're witnessing, you're the witness of that. And it's it's sort of the unknown, it's the imagination of, uh, William Blake said, the imagination is the true human being. So I don't think AI has the facility or capability of accessing this infinite unknown awareness that we really are. Does, does that make sense to? Yeah, I understand that position. I don't agree with it, but yeah, I understand well, no, what, what you No, tell me what you think. I, it doesn't even have to agree. I'm interested in what you think about that. Yeah. Yeah, so I would have agreed with you like, Three years ago, but I've I've been like you know changed by interactions with people in in the communities. A lot of people in those communities don't even like to call it AI, as you know, I'm sure right. they they say it's not artificial. Like you know, um, you know, we create like paintings, but they're not artificial. We don't say that's an artificial replication. You right. know, um, okay. So there's quantum computing, and I think quantum computing is where we get to this field that is beyond space time right now listen this is way outside of my my okay. everyone has to understand that like don't quote me as saying these ridiculous things about something of which i have no clue um but i have it's changed how i think and that's what i'm explaining to you is that through the interactions with people who do know about this and who recognize that something like quantum computing is accessing information 
that appears to be beyond space time because of like superposition and that type of thing. I mean, think about that. That that has such wide implications. And also the whole idea of our, you know, progressing through time, which we know now is not linear, right? It's, you know, okay. So what if, you know, because a lot of people will come back to me and say, but we've created this and I'll say, but then who created us? And, you know, so if we look at this linear time frame, it, these kinds of questions become nonsensical mm -hmm. and we have to drop them and we're going to have different questions. I guess that's my point is at some point our questions are going to be meaningless because they're situated within a uh, way of thinking that, you know, like, let's put it this way. You, you just spoke about I'm assuming indigenous Ab Aboriginal. Okay, yeah. so yeah, indigenous yeah. people in Australia yeah. have this amazing ontology that seems to be, when I say ontology, I mean like, you know, epistemology, worldview, right. that seems to be, you know, from, from my perspective as an outsider, uh, they seem to have this down, this idea of the quantum field, right? And they, they have their ways of talking about it. So it seems to me that for us, if we're interested, when I say us, I'm talking about like non-indigenous people, you've right. had, you know, less, you know, not an insight into this, which apparently they've had an insight to. And here I would just recommend a book called Santop. This will you know, like catapult people into a new new way of thinking because the person who wrote it, Tyson Yankoporta, has, he has access to this, this worldview. So he kind of lives in two worlds here. And um, I think that that's helpful to us. So that's the only reason why I disagree with the way that, you know, you're suggesting that AI won't be able to, um, I think it probably will, even though a lot of people disagree with me. And well, I'm, I'm okay with that. No, I appreciate you explaining that. But, um, you know, I don't think AI, or maybe it will understand, like in your first chapters, talk about the earth language, the, the presence of the earth. Will, I mean, if it can do that, then, then I'll have to go along. The, the, the AI could start to duplicate that natural um language of the earth itself is that possible you think okay so that's such a great comeback <laughs> <laughs> i like that as a comeback because yeah i think you might be right there um whereas it won't be it because you know it's organic what i'm talking about this like organic language and we, you and i are organic creatures that have grown up within this um yeah so i think that we would be the things that would be most prepared to to understand both the AI kind of way of thinking because you know we have created AI or I'm sorry not or and the earth language but AI would not be part of that right but we would be the kind of you know we would be the AI right because we would be like understanding both types of networks well maybe we are the AI of the earth actually you know because we're we're yeah we're taking over and destroying it to wrap it all up where where are you going with this so you i think you've come to a place in this book where you relax into the phenomenon exists it's undeniable and it's on and you can't pin it down and that becomes a sort of okay abstract space for a lot of people that are awakening experiencing so where are you going with all of this in your studies and your research and your excitement so I'm um, the organic network and the ability to like hook in and that type of thing and the ability to, um, you know, uh, character development and that type of thing. That's what I'm focusing on now. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually 
um, that's where I'm at is I'm looking at, I'm not necessarily looking at UFOs or disclosure or the communities or anything like that. I'm looking at the history of religions, basically in the sense of these protocols that I see all these people who have these missions and, and so forth, they then develop this uh, way to live and their life ways. And so I'm looking at these life ways and I think that they can actually help people. Um, you know, Jose in my book, he talks about how to help young people deal with, you know, the influx of all of this information, you know, that they're getting. And, you know, he's, he's suggesting very specific ways of dealing with that, you know, well, go outside, you know, and, you know, get off the, that networking and, and try to understand that there's this organic network. And so I'm, I'm doing that in my way. Like I have ways of like teaching how to do that too. You're still pursuing the UFO study. I mean, it's still of interest. It's still a fascination. Um, yeah, of course, but differently than I did before. So I won't, I most likely won't write a book about UFOs. Gosh, I, I say that I said that last time too, but you know, so, you know, I am, I am, I am writing a book right now, but it's, it's a book that I'm co-authoring with Simone and, and it's about the protocols. I think it's important you wrote this and congratulations. I mean, Netflix loved this. I mean, I guess you were consultant on Netflix because they used the same and that was pretty amazing, wasn't it, for that to happen? I think so, yeah. I mean, it was such a, a strange thing to be a part of, um, but they, they listened to what to my consulting. So I consulted for them, and, and they listened, and I was really happy about it. And by the way, the confluence of encounters and them calling it encounters happened accidentally. Um, I know it doesn't seem that way, but it was completely on accident. Oh, I thought they took your book, and uh, oh, I see. Well, that's... Maybe there's no coincidence, right? That just uh, kind of... Yeah, yeah. It just ca catapulted you even to a bigger framework because what you're writing in this book is a really good unfolding of the phenomena for people, for people who don't know what to make of it. And you're reframing it out of the woo and back into like the intelligence and um, integrative human being. I think this is the call or encounter. Thank you. That's a that's a nice way to put it. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. I've been talking to Diana Pasalka, our new book, Encounters. Uh, I hope to have you back on the program. Thank you for watching everyone at New Realities. my backyard with Alan on a camel and my man Bashar. Ten rabbis, a physicist, guru, and a genius. A woman who can teach you how to grow your penis. I'm a Ramtha, Jay-Z, channeling true love. Oh, reality's boring. We're starting a new one. Hearts popped open. Dalai Lama, rock your soul with my tantric chakras. Now say Om with Deepak Chopra. Natasha's so dope. Who needs Oprah? Shaman Steve and his higher selves. NSA can't stop my elves. Fairies landed. Whole world's dusted. Hugging under covers, butt naked in public. Government's bugging, but they're so corny. Back to the cramp, first all-born orgy. What? It's realities. Changing the news, the realities. God's interviews, the realities. 
Where do I begin? A left mention? JJ, her top keys of Enoch. Open up doors, teleport to Montauk. Navy ships disappear for battling. Duncan Cameron starts time traveling. Nassim Harriman, electron spin. Word, I am word, sell a channeling. Paulo, masculine, feminine. Marianne Williamson, tears to triumph. Jade goddesses lift weights with their vaginas. Till there's a tantric, holy glow. Jody Sirota's a UFO. From Sedona to DC, Washington. Tin disclose ETs. David Ike is like Adam and Eve. Meet me down a caravan of dreams. For Alan fells the realities. What she's what? It's the realities. Changing the news, the realities. God's interviews, the realities. Where do I begin? A left mention, the realities. Changing the news, the realities. God's interviews, the realities. Where do I begin? The realities.